0: It is not what evil or Satan can do to us. It is what our Savior can do to Him. If we're living in fellowship and harmony with the Lord Jesus Christ, we're walking by Him, we're filled with His Spirit, we don't need to be afraid of what He can do. For He's not coming up against us, He's coming up against our Savior. Hallelujah.
1: Welcome to Living a Legacy, featuring the Bible teaching ministry of Crawford Lorenz. Ever thought about how Satan is plotting to affect your life today or the members of your family? If you are a follower of Christ, Satan is out to destroy you and your family, but you have access to a powerful defense in the form of God's strength and the truth of His Word. Join us as we continue in our current series, Unmasking Satan. In a moment, part two of Crawford's message, Our Victorious Savior. Well, the Gospels record Jesus' many encounters with demons. And today Crawford takes us to the story in Luke of the demon-possessed man in the region of the Gerasenes. Jesus met up with this man and the confrontation began. And we'll get to that in a moment. Just a note here the entire series can be downloaded for free, and I'll have details at the close of our time today. Our text, Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Now, a few lessons to learn from this passage. Last week, Crawford mentioned the first one, the power of truth. The second, what Jesus used to defeat Satan. And we'll pick it up right there. Here's Crawford Loretz on living a legacy.
0: If our Savior submitted to the Word of God, if our Savior, Jesus, Use the word of God to put Satan in his place. How much more are we to use God's truth and God's word? Now, I know I'm beating a, a, a drum here at this church. I've been saying this all these years that I've been here. But once again, I, you know, some of us get beaten up by the de- devil because we're willfully Ignorant. We don't know truth, and I don't mean to be lecturing or condescending or to be, you know, fussing at anybody this morning. But it is true that the, 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 the devil flees from truth. It is the power of this word. Listen to me. When you quote the word of God to the enemy, you're using the very voice of God. When he comes after you and you start quoting what God said, it's not you saying it. God is speaking. So there's the power of truth, and second lesson is what he used to defeat Satan. Wasn't strategies, wasn't ideas. Frankly, wasn't even his prayer group. But once again, he used truth. And his example teaches us time and again that we've got to know and use this book. You know, Satan cannot be successful without deception. He can't. He can't be successful in your life or my life without deception. He absolutely can't do it. God's truth, you know, just weakens and reveals and unravels Satan's schemes. But the devil comes to us like, you know, these mirrors you see at state fairs and carnivals. They, you stand there and this distorted stuff, you know. Well, that's how the enemy comes to us, doesn't he? Well, the second event that puts the spotlight on our Savior's victory over demons and the devil is found in Luke chapter eight, verses 26 through 39. Luke chapter eight, verses 26 through 39. Um, There are many encounters that Jesus had with demons and I started to go down that path and list a number of them, but I wanna focus on this one here because I think there's some incredible learnings that take place. What is happening here is that uh, Jesus had just performed this incredible miracle uh, on the Sea of Galilee. His disciples were in the boat, and, you know, this storm comes out of nowhere, and there's upheaval all over the place, and and Jesus calms the storm. And when he calms the storm, the disciples are more afraid of the miracle that just happened than the storm that they went through. (laughs) Because they say here in the last part of verse 24, that uh, was it? Verse 25, he says, Who then is this that he commands even winds and water and they obey him? There's a little backstory here. Jesus is doing all these things to build confidence in his disciples that he is Lord. Nothing can stand before him. Thus, they go over to the Sea of Galilee. On the eastern shore is where this miracle takes place. It's the region of the Gerasenes. And as they cross over there, uh, they encounter this man who is demonized. Or he's filled with demons. Uh, the Mark account gives us a little more detail about what was going on. He was in change, and Homeboy was living out in the graveyard. And everybody was scared to death of him because he had these enormous powers and stuff. And, uh, and they, they just want to stay away from him. He had petrified everyone. But something very interesting takes place when he encounters Jesus. <laughs> He encounters Jesus. Now listen to what he says here in verse 28. But when he, the man possessed with all these demons, saw Jesus, listen, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high? I beg you, do not torment me. Don't don't miss this. Uh, A couple of things you you need to know as you study Jesus and, and demons whoever around Jesus, they always, they always not only are they, they acknowledge his presence, but they cannot stay in his presence. Hear me on this. The demons could not stay in his presence. They're frightened of him. They know who he is. In fact, the line, verse 28, says, do not, uh, uh, the line in verse 28 that says, Jesus, son of the most high God. Yeah, you got that right. You got that right. I, I am the son of the most high God. And not only that, the line again in the last part of verse 28 it says, do not torment me. Demons know that Jesus is their ultimate judge. Oh, the first time he came, he's a a lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. The next time he comes on a white horse down one side, he's going to say, Lord of lords and king of kings. They know this. He says, don't torment me. Well, the demon recognized that Jesus had control over him, even though men could not control him. It's not only that he says, I've met my match. I can't stand in your presence. Too many Christians focus on the wrong thing in spiritual warfare, as I said earlier on. We have to focus on our conquering king. If Jesus is there and we're living in communion with him, our enemies cannot stand it. By the way, he had a legion of demons according to verse 30. You know what a legion is? A legion is a group of about 6,000 Roman soldiers. I don't know if if Luke is using a little bit of hyperbole and explaining this or whatever, but, but the point being this Homeboy had a lot of demons in him, he was filled, filled with demons. So when Jesus shows up, everybody's getting scared now. The man is afraid, who's filled with the demons. Actually, the demons are scared. So the demons know they gotta come at him because if Jesus is hanging around, we can't hang around. So they gotta come at him. You know, um, I, I, I love, I love swine. <laughs> ribs, <laughs> pork loin. Ham. I mean, I just, you know, I read this text and I just say, man, this is a case of being in the wrong place at the wrong time, Jack. <laughs> it's like this poor little it's, it's farmers down here say, What happened to my pigs, bro? <laughs> you know? So they were convenient and the demons jump into the pigs, they go over the cliff, and they're down there. Well, listen to the effect of all of this. Verse 34 says, When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told told it in the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demon had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Ah, this can't be the dude. This can't be him. I mean, this is a guy who was in chains in the cemetery among the tombs, wreaking havoc, naked. And here he is, clothed, worshiping Jesus, lucid, in his right mind. Boy, our conquering Savior. Well as the story is told, the people, they don't know what to do in verse 37, then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The fear here is, oh, you know, it, it, I, I, I take this, yeah it's a literal fear but I'm connecting this with the fear in the previous section, the miracle that Jesus did on the Sea of Galilee and the disciples were afraid. And this fear here. Wherever Jesus shows up, there's worship and awe. And this wonder, this wonder, there's some lessons that I want to extract from this. The first lesson is this, and that is the power of his presence. The absolute power of his presence I want you to. One of the problems that we have here is, and you know, guys like me have not helped you. Um, in our desire to help one another to understand our, our growth in Christ and our walk with Him and how we overcome things, how we apply truth, and it's so wonderful that we do these things, I don't think we talk enough about who is living inside of us. I think that feeds sort of a cultural Christianity. Do do you know, do do you know, do you know if we have trusted Christ as Savior and Lord? Do you know what we did? Do you know what actually happened to us? Literally, not figuratively, literally, not figuratively, literally, the second person of the Godhead, Jesus Christ himself, lives in us. Literally. Literally. That presence is not one-off. He doesn't intercept us when we come to church and small group. But he is always there. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. He, the second person of the Godhead. He, the second person of the Godhead. He, with all the attributes of God, is inside of us. He is inside of us. And he, Jesus, is the one who defeats Satan. He, Jesus, is the one who defeats the demons that come after us. He, Jesus, is the one who has the authority. And we're delivered by his presence. Listen, 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 listen. I, uh, we have scared too many people. When we talk about demonology and, and Satan, kind of, we, we get spooky and scare folks here. But the, the deal is, it is not what evil or Satan can do to us. It is what our Savior can do to him. And again, I don't, I don't mean to be trivial here. I don't mean to, to reduce in any way. He is, he is a, he's a powerful fallen angel, the highest of all the archangels. Got it. And Christians need to be very careful. If you're not walking in fellowship with God and communion with God, don't be going up there talking about I command you. You don't command anything. I got that. But if we're living in fellowship and harmony with the Lord Jesus Christ, we're walking by him, we're filled with his spirit, we don't need to be afraid of what he can do. For he's not coming up against us, he's coming up against our Savior. Yes. Hallelujah. And then the third event is this. First in the wilderness, before demons, and now at his resurrection. <laughs> Jesus dealt a deadly blow to the enemy. And this is what Paul is referring to in that great text in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He has spent the entire chapter talking about the resurrection of our Savior and our resurrection and what he's done on our behalf. And sometimes I think, you know, forgive my little bunny trail here, but sometimes I think we traffic in these truths here and we speak of them in sort of esoteric intellectual ways as if they're good discussion stuff for our bible studies and we interact with that these things are meant to be experienced did you know that i'm going to connect a dot here hopefully i will when it comes to the resurrection but listen to what paul says i want to pick it up verse 54 he says when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. Now, here's the line. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see what Paul is doing here? You see what he's doing? Paul, in essence, is taunting death and Satan. That's what he's doing. He's taunting them. He's taunting death and Satan. What, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Uh, yeah, Actually, he's quoting, he's putting two passages together. He's quoting Isaiah 58 verse, uh, 55, verse 8, and then uh, Hosea 13, verse 14. And He's put these things together. In essence, I think the, the backdrop of all of this is that the apparent victories, and I put quotes around apparent, the apparent victories of Satan in the Garden of Gethsemane, you, you know, when they, they came to get him, the devil in his demented way of thinking, and again, I remind you, don't give the devil too much credit. Uh, I said this last week, the devil does not have the attributes of God powerful angel but an angel nonetheless the devil is not omnipresent the devil is not omniscient the devil is not omnipotent these are attributes that belong to God and too many of us there's some bad theology even in some of our modern gospel songs and all this stuff that I hear people saying all the time oh the devil knows your future no he doesn't know your future he's smart as all good out and probably a good predictor of stuff but he didn't know that so in Gethsemane he I got him they got him but he was playing into the hands of the heavenly plan so the apparent victory of satan in the garden was reversed on the cross and vindicated in the resurrection that's what the apostle paul is saying peter put it this way in acts chapter 2 verse 24 when he preached that great message on the day of pentecost which is another story, by the way, where did they get this boldness from? They got it from the resurrected Christ. And listen to what Peter says, he says, quote, God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. I love that line. <laughs> Wasn't possible. Jesus, the resurrection is the final statement at least in our human history, of his victory over the devil. Now, by the way, this victory is not a one-off victory. This victory also belongs to us. Here's it a few applications. One is the power of the resurrection itself. Jesus says forever, I am king of kings, I'm lord of lords. No one has ever risen from the dead. I'm the son of God. I'm declared to be victorious. I'm victorious over Satan in the grave. What he did defeated Satan. Finally, the sins of the world have been paid for. Not only that, my power is made available to all. And he is declared our conquering king through his resurrection. And he is our hope and our confidence through his resurrection. Well, here's where it all comes together. The Apostle Paul speaking personally of the resurrection, that it's not just a celebratory thing that Jesus did, although that's enough. We don't just give Jesus a standing O, although that's enough. But that resurrection power is shared with us. Remember, the second person of the Godhead lives inside of us. And so when Paul was talking about the resurrection, back over in Romans chapter 6, verse 4, he put it all together when he said... We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And the newness of life there is not just our conversion, but it is the ongoing demonstration of the power of God in and through our lives. We do not have to be defeated That victory's not just past, it's not just outside of us, it is in us. And we fight from victory. And not from defeat. Oh, and I'm gonna talk about this next week, and I, I know, I get it, I've been under satanic attack, and I know what it means to be hounded by demons, and I know what it means to fight and to struggle, I get it, I get it, I know what it means. But don't let the devil tell you that you're without resources. Don't let him get you feeling as if you're hopeless. For even in your tears, that resurrection power shows itself operative. About a year ago, I was going through something, some dark, dark, dark moments. There were times when some tears were trickling down my cheeks. You ask yourself, how much more can you take? And I remember saying that one time as I'm driving along, thinking about all this stuff that was swirling around, how much more can you take? And the Holy Spirit said to me, as much as Jesus can handle. That's what you can take, as much as Jesus can handle. For it is not you who lives, it's the victorious Christ that lives in and through us. And somebody needs to hear that today. It's not what you can take, it's what Jesus can handle. And he is our victorious king. And I know some of you are going through some hard times here. You got kids who've made some hair-brained, stupid decisions and some of them are prodigals and they, you know, you, you got stuff going on. I understand that. I don't speak from some ivory tower. I, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. But I know that you got a conquering savior too. One more step and he's with you.
1: Crawford Loritz, our speaker here on Living a Legacy, Our Victorious Savior, the title of today's message. Well, we hope that was helpful in clarifying how Satan is subordinate to Jesus and has limited capability in attempting to distract believers in their spiritual growth. Perhaps Crawford's greatest point in today's message was the fact that, as Christians, the second member of the Trinity, Jesus, lives within us. So, when Satan attacks, Jesus is our buffer. Jesus commands all authority over Satan, and it's Jesus who defeats Satan in our lives. We're in a series of messages titled, Unmasking Satan, and next week Crawford talks about winning the battle through Christ. Now, if you joined us partway in today's program, you can catch all of it on our website stream. You can also download all of the messages so far in the series for free through the MP3 link on our website. Stop by livingalegacy.org. livingalegacy.org. Thanks so much for your emails. Cheryl writes, I've been listening to Crawford for the last few years. I'm very thankful that he's continued to provide these messages, even after retiring as the senior pastor at his church. I'm a saved child of God and do have a local church I attend in my home state of Washington. I feel I receive the information God wants me to have when I listen to Living a Legacy. I've shared this site with many people, and I've had them listen with me. I always feel uplifted and on fire for God after listening. There have been times when the message speaks directly to me. I look forward to hearing Living a Legacy every week. Cheryl, thank you so much for that email. Livingalegacy.org For Crawford Loritz, I'm Bill Davis. Thanks for listening. This program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.